Hi, this is Rick Thompson, the pastor at Living Water Community Church. This is our podcast, and I want to thank you for joining us today. I hope this message builds your faith and blesses you. Please enjoy it. Good morning, and uh, welcome to our Living Water Online ministry. My name is Rick Thompson. I'm so happy that you've joined us today. We've been in a series that we've been calling the names of God, and we just, if you've been following, we just did Jehovah Sabaoth, the Lord of hosts, the Lord Almighty, the Lord of angel armies. And in that message, we learned that, that all of the resources of heaven and earth are at his disposal. Now, how does that affect me or you, you might ask? Um, well, Psalm 910 says, those who know your name trust in you. For you, Lord, help me, have never forsaken those who seek you. In other words, the, the one who holds the universe's, all the universe's resources says that he's, he's never going to forsake those who, who seek him, who, those who follow him. Folks, that's, that's a beautiful promise. And, and, and what does he ask us to do with these resources? Is it just so that we could hoard it, sit on it? No. Proverbs 19, 17 says, Mercy to the needy is a loan to God. And God pays back those loans in full. I love that. Let me say that again. Mercy to the needy is a loan to God, and God pays back those loans in full. Folks, sometimes, sometimes it's not about what God can get to you. It's what God can get through you. Here at Living Water, we have a lot of folks that, that like to practice what we, what we teach. And, and so uh, uh, over the last... A uh, week or so, we, we had a food outreach to our community. There are so many people having a real difficult time. And, and well, I want you to take a moment and just take a look at the incredible response that happened. Take a look at some of these pictures and videos. The lines were literally going out the parking lot and down the street. We serviced hundreds of people in our community. What a tremendous day of blessing. Um, for those who are in need. Now, in addition, we've partnered with a Showering Love Ministry, which is a, bo- a mobile bus ministry that offers showers to the homeless and, and those in need along those lines and clean clothes. Here's, here's a picture of them. And also to date, we continue to minister to our partners in need through our state, um, throughout our state and around the world to include our friends in India. God bless our friends in India, Pastor Martin and our pastors and their wives over there. We're praying for you. Well, we'll be doing another food outreach this Thursday from 12 to 2. If you know any families that are in need, uh, send them here right on location. And the showers, uh, the the Showering Love Mobile Ministry will be here on Monday, 8.30 to 12.30 as well. So thank you again for your continued uh, support and generosity to this ministry. Uh, We try to practice that. If God can get us to it, 
If he can get it through us, he'll get it to us. Remember again, Proverbs 19, 17, mercy to the needy is a loan to God, and God pays back those loans in full. Can I get an amen? Amen. Which brings us nicely to our names of God subject matter for today. And the name that God put on my heart is Jehovah Jireh. Jehovah Jireh, which means the Lord will provide. Now, and I hope you've been kind of taking notes as you've been uh, following along with us every Sunday or whatever day of the week you, you tune in. Because there will be a test at the end of this series. <laughs> I, I, I'm not joking. I like to uh, challenge our people to not just hear it and let it go in one end out the other, but to retain it, to retain it, okay? Now, I said this series could also be called What's in a Name? What's in a Name? And if your name is Bob or Henry or even Rick, like my name, maybe there's not a whole lot behind that name. But if your name is associated with God, his, his Son and the Holy Spirit, listen to me, it's everything. It's everything. It's health. It's, it's potential healing. It's deliverance. It's protection. It's comfort. It's advice. It's his divine provision. Literally, literally it could be money in the bank if it's associated with his name. Jesus asked the question in Matthew chapter 16, which was super important for everybody to consider. Verse 13, he says, When Jesus came to the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, Who do people say that the Son of Man is? Well, they replied, Some say John the Baptist. Some say Elijah. Others say Jeremiah or one of the other prophets. Then he asked them this, but who do you say that I am? Folks, how many of you know that that's the $64,000 question? That's, that's the question that everybody needs to be asking and answering. The, the fact that they thought he was some prophet or some good man, that's one thing. But if you don't answer this one right, it's going to be a problem for all eternity. Well, Simon Peter answered it right. He stood up and he said, you are the Messiah, the son of the living God. And Jesus replied, you are blessed, Simon, son of John, because my father in heaven has revealed this to you. You did not learn this from any human being. Question, why do you think Jesus pressed them his disciples with that question on that day. Why, why was it important for, for, for them to know who he was? Well, obviously we just mentioned his, the reasons, but to further explain it, he knew that if they could correctly identify who he was, they'd understand better why he came and, and how it would impact them personally. In fact, Jesus... His name, or Yeshua, literally means Yahweh is salvation. Yahweh is salvation, or God is salvation. And, and, throughout, and, and through Christ, that's exactly what God did. And so in the same way, all throughout the Scripture, God identifies with the different titles, and he tells us exactly who he is, what he does, and how it will impact us uh, personally 
for those who have ears to hear and a heart to receive. So today we're going to kind of circle back to one of the original stories or, or, or cast of characters that we've already introduced to you, back to Abram and Sarai. And now we, 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 we move forward just a few years, several years ahead, and the promises of God have been fulfilled through Isaac, their son, not Ishmael, which represented them trying to help God out. And in the process of them trying to help God out, it caused nothing but problems for them, for, for, them, for generations, really for generations to come. Because I, I think many of those feuding folks over there in the Middle East, <laughs> I think they share the same DNA. I'm just saying. But we're in chapter 22 of Genesis, and, and God now has uh, changed their names from Abram to Abraham and from Sarai to Sarah. And Isaac is now a young boy. But one day God asked Abraham to do something that was really hard. I mean, seemingly unthinkable. Let's read and then we'll discuss it. Genesis chapter 22, verse 1. Sometime later, God, help me out somebody, tested Abraham. Tested Abraham. And he said to him, Abraham, here I am. Here I am, he replied. Then God said, take, take your son, your only son, whom you love, Isaac, and go to the region of Moriah and sacrifice him there as a burnt offering on a mountain I will show you. Verse 3. Early the next morning, Abraham got up, loaded his donkey. He took with him two of his servants, his servants and his son Isaac. And when he had cut enough wood for the burnt offering, he set out for the place God had told him about. And on the third day, Abraham looked up and saw the place in the distance. And he said to his servants on the third day, on the third day, he said to his servants, stay here with the donkey while I and the boy go over there. And we will worship and then we will come back and then we will come back to you. Abraham took the wood for the burnt offering, and he placed it on his son Isaac, and he himself carried the fire and the, and the knife. As the two of them went on together, Isaac spoke up, watch this, verse 7, and he said to his father, Abraham, Father, yes, my son, Abraham replied, the fire and the wood are here, Isaac said, but where's the lamb for the burnt offering? Abraham answered, listen, listen, God himself will provide the lamb for the burnt offering, my son. And the two of them went on together, and they reached the place God had told them about. And Abraham built an altar there, and he arranged the wood on it, and he bound his son Isaac and laid him on the altar on top of the wood. Then he reached out his hand, and he took the knife to slay his son, verse 11, but the angel of the Lord called out to him from heaven, Abraham, Abraham, here I am, he replied. Do not lay a hand on the boy, he said. Do not do anything to him. Now I know that you fear God because you have not withheld from me your son, your only son. Verse 13, and Abraham looked up and there in the thicket he saw a ram caught by its horns. 
And he went over and he took the ram and he sacrificed it as a burnt offering instead of his son. And so Abraham called that place, the Lord will provide. And to this day it is said, on the mountain of the Lord, it will be provided. And the King James translates that same verse, Genesis twenty-two fourteen, and Abraham called call the name of the place Jehovah Jireh, Jehovah Jireh, as it is said to this day in the, in the mount of the Lord it shall be seen. So that's where the name Jehovah Jireh comes from, and that's what it means. It literally means the Lord will provide. Now, before we go any further into this lesson and lessons learned, let's kind of look at the results of Abraham's obedience as far as God was concerned. Chapter 22, verse 15. The angel of the Lord called to Abraham from heaven a second time, and he said, I swear by myself. I swear by myself, declares the Lord, that because you have done this and have not withheld your son, your only son, I will surely bless you and make your descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky and as the sand on the seashore. Your descendants will take possession of the cities of their enemies and through your offspring, all the nations of the earth will be blessed. Where do you think that blessing came from? His name is Yeshua. Because you have obeyed me. And then Abraham returned to his servants, and they set off together for Beersheba. <laughs> Watch this. And Abraham stayed in Beersheba. Now, <laughs> this kind of went off comically in my spirit as to why he didn't go right back home after these events. He probably stayed in Bathsheba because, and I don't know this for a fact, but I'm just thinking anecdotally that he, he had to somehow, he needed that time to convince his son not to tell his mama what just happened. Hello? But back to the text. There was a few things that kind of immediately jumped out at me, truths that I believe that the Lord would have me share with you this morning. You need to know that at this time in Abraham's life, at the time of at this reading of the story, he was uh, well on his way to being one of the most affluent people um, of his time. Uh, because of his obedience to God, along the way, he was richly blessed. He had livestock. He had plenty of food. There was plenty of resources, and he had tents. He had uh, money. He had uh, male and female servants. All this was in abundance. He had it all. And, all and, and of all the things that he had, listen to me, of all the things that he owned, that he had possession of, what was the one thing God asked him to sacrifice? And well, if you weren't following the story of Genesis 22, verse 2, then God said, take your son, your only son, whom you love, Isaac, and go to the region of Moriah and sacrifice him there as a burnt offering on a mountain, I will show you. And, and, and so the one thing God asked for was the one thing that Abraham loved the most. Somebody needs to hear me this morning. Pay attention to what's going on. And don't get so sidetracked 
with the details of the story that you miss the point entirely. Some people want to argue, well, why would God ask Abraham to, to, to do such a brutal thing? And why would Abraham, if he loved his son, even consider going through with it? Well, the book of Hebrews kind of offers, offers a, a solution or an even answer to that. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 17 says, By faith, Abraham, when God tested him, offered Isaac as a sacrifice. By faith, he offered Isaac as a sacrifice. Listen, he who had embraced the promises was about to sacrifice his one and only son, even though God had said to him, it is through Isaac your offspring will be reckoned. Understand the story of Abraham and Sarah. She was barren. God keep giving him these promises that your, your, your offspring are going to be, you know, try to count the, the, the sand on the seashore, the stars in the sky, and yet she was barren uh, most of her natural life. And so, and then finally, when she was well past childbearing age, um, she had the one child, Isaac. Even Isaac means laughter because she laughed when she heard that God was going to now make her uh, bear, become pregnant after she was past childbearing. And God said, no, it's going to happen. And so this was the promise that was set forth. And now God is asking him to <laughs> sacrifice the promise. And that's where the writer of Hebrews is picking up. By faith, Abraham, when God tested him, offered Isaac as a sacrifice. He who had embraced the promises was about to sacrifice his one and only son. The promises. Even though God had said to him, it is through Isaac that your offspring will be reckoned. Abraham, verse 19, reasoned that God could even, watch this, raise the dead. And so in a matter of speaking, he did receive Isaac back from the death. And so the writer of Hebrews is suggesting that Abraham's faith was so great in God and his promises that when the word of the Lord came to sacrifice his son, even though there might have been some confusion as to, oh my goodness, Lord, you could have asked me for anything. You asked for my son. He immediately went to do it. He immediately went to do it because he had so much faith in God that God can do all things but tell a lie. I don't, uh, he must going to be able to raise him back up to fulfill the promises that he already gave him. In addition, he, uh, it, this is also proven by the fact that, that he told his servants and probably his wife when he took the boy that day that he said, we will be back. We will be back. But the real point of this section is the fact that, that God, listen to me, put Abraham to a test. God put him to a test. Now watch this. And the test was to see who or what he loved more. I need somebody to listen to me this morning. God allowed Abraham to go to a test to see what or who he loved the most. And this is where things start to get a little uncomfortable for all of us who are listening to me right now or, or call ourselves uh, children of God. Because believe it or not, God is still putting his children through, through tests today. Yes, he is. And I'm not talking about wood piles and burnt offerings. I'm talking about the placing the idols that are in your life on the altar of sacrifice to the Lord. 
I'm talking about those things that in our lives that have been competing with your love and affection to him. Now, someone might ask, you know, well, Pastor Rick, what's an idol? Well, let me give you a very short and concise definition of an idol. Um, it's anything in your life, it's anything in your life that you love more than you love the Lord. It's anything in your life that you love more than you love the Lord. That's a potential idol in your life. Now, what does God say about idols in Exodus chapter 20, verse 2 through 5a? It says, I am the Lord your God who brought you out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. You shall have no other gods before me. You shall not make for yourself an image in the form of anything in heaven above or on the earth beneath or in the waters below. You shall not bow to them or worship them, for I, the Lord your God, help me out, someone, help me, am a jealous God, am a jealous God. You see, Abraham had other things he could have sacrificed. His own son pointed them out. He said when, when, he, when, he, when he was on the road to that mountain, he said, Daddy, I see the fire, I see the wood, but I don't see the lamb. Where's the lamb? And the reason Abraham didn't have a lamb wasn't because he didn't own a lamb. I promise you, he owned many lambs. He had all multiple resources. No, the reason he didn't have a lamb was because God didn't ask him to sacrifice a lamb. He clearly heard God ask for his son. And it wasn't until Abraham was willing, listen to me, to lay that which he loved the most on the altar, on the altar, it wasn't until that happened that he was directed to the ram in the bush. Listen to me, somebody. The provision made by God, someone needs to hear me. Hear what I'm saying. Because this is where so many of us, we fail the test that God is giving us. You see, we want to see God's provision. We want to see Jehovah Jireh show up. We want to see, experience the ram in the bush at just the right time. But, but, but at the same time, we want to hold on to our idols, those things that we love more in our lives, than those things that God is asking us to lay down. You, you, you clearly hear the word of the Lord concerning your situation, that, that he wants you to give this up or put that down or get rid of that thing. But that's the one thing you don't want to give up. So instead of doing what he says, you, you start to bargain with God. What, 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 what if I give this thing up over here instead of what you're asking for? Yeah, that's what I'll do. It's like, it's like the person who, who, you know, once a month at the church, we like to fast. And we've been doing that really for years. And, and one person told me, well, Pastor Rick, you know, I'm, I'm not going to. I can't fast all day. There was no medical, medical reason for it. He, he just said, I'm not going to fast all day. But what I will do is, uh, you know, I'm going to fast, I'm going to fast coffee. And I've heard that coffee or, or chocolate or, or jelly beans or something along those lines. And, and, and oftentimes I think to myself, whoa, I'm, <laughs> I'm sure God is up there saying, bravo, she, she made a whole day without, without drinking her coffee. Or, or, or eating jelly beans. Listen to me. So some people love lobster, right? All right? I mean, I, I've known people that they go crazy when, when lobster's on the thing. 
Me, my wife, mm, uh, not really, not at all. And so, and so if, if I decide, you know what, <laughs> I'm going to fast, and I say, you know, God, I'm going to fast lobster, really it's not a big deal. If I never had lobster again in my life, it wouldn't matter. Or, or even I'll fast liver. <laughs> Honestly, I can't remember the last time I had liver. I think when my, I was younger, when I was a kid, my mama used to serve it. So fasting lobster liver is not a problem for me. In other words, we bring that same attitude to God, and we'll say, you know, I'll give up something that really doesn't cause me too much discomfort, right? In the meantime, the Lord is saying, could we talk about the real idol in your life? Could we talk about the excessive drinking that's going on? Hello, Pastor Rick, gone from preaching to meddling. Could we, could we talk about the amount of time that you're spending playing video games or allowing your kids to do it? Come on, somebody. Could we talk about what's going on at 2 or 3 o'clock in the morning on the porn sites? That's what I want you to lay on the altar. Can we talk about that click temper that you have or that unforgiveness that's been going on for days, weeks, months, and years that you've been holding on to? Well, how about this one? Let's talk about the fear that's been happening with that person who's not your wife or not your husband. And it's going to ruin your marriage. Or, not married yet, but there's some fella in your life that you just love, and you know, or some girl that you think is just fine, but they're clearly not the one for you because they don't, they're not, they're not for him. The Bible talks about taking on relationships of an unequal yoke. That as a Christ follower, being unequally yoked together with someone who has no love at all for your Lord and Savior. Can we talk about that? Well, no, because I, I don't want to give that up. Uh, can we talk about, can we, can we go back up, can we go back to the jelly beans and, and the coffee and maybe the liver? And we're like, that's a problem. Please, Lord, we go to him and say, please don't, don't ask me to choose between you and, and the thing that I love the most. And then when we take that attitude, we wonder why we're not seeing the provisions of the Father. <laughs> Abraham didn't see the provision of the ram in the bush until he was willing to make the sacrifice. The provision started making its way up the mountain toward them as soon as Abraham began, became obedient and started making his way up the mountain as well. Listen, if you have ears to hear what, I'm, what the Spirit is saying, you need to pay attention. The moment he started going up that mountain, upside the other side of the mountain, the provision started coming up as well. But it was because of his obedience that the provision started to show up. Matter of fact, I want you to write this down. God blesses 
obedience. God blesses obedience. And it was then that God revealed himself as Jehovah Jireh, the Lord who provides. Folks, Jesus said as much in Matthew chapter 6, 33. He said, but seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. See, we want to jump right to the second part of that verse where it says all these things will be given. And we want to skip over the condition. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And then all these things will be given to you as well. Folks, what are some of the areas that God wants us to put first in our lives if we are going to see his provisions in our lives. Well, I've come up with at least three areas, three important areas. Number one, our resources, obviously. We touched on it last week. But in Exodus chapter 34, verse 26, the, it says, bring the best of the first fruits. Someone say first fruits. First fruits of your soil to the house of the Lord your God. And again, we, we talked about it last week through the prophet Haggai, which was the last point, because God had now brought them back into the land and back into the promises, but they've neglected the house of the Lord while they were building their own houses back. And God rebuked them. He says, you know, why would you, you know, treat him in such a way, make a priority of his house, and then he will make a priority of your house. That's a spiritual principle. You take care of God's house, he'll take care of yours. Seek first the kingdom and his righteousness, and then these things will be provided to you. Secondly, you need to make a, you, uh, you need to make a priority in your routine, in your routine. Luke chapter 9, verse 23 says, And then he said to them all, Jesus speaking, Whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross, help me out somebody, on Sunday. Is that what it says? On Sunday through Wednesday. Is that what it says? Uh, just four times a week. Is that what it says? No. It says you need to take up your cross. Say it out loud. Say it out loud. Daily. Amen. That's Sunday through Saturday every day. And do what? And follow me. First John uh, 1 John 2, verse 3 says, and we can be sure that we know him if we do what? Obey his commandments. We're talking about your routine. If someone claims, I know God, but doesn't obey God's commandments, that person is a liar and is not living in the truth. In other words, if you say you know him, but you're doing the exact opposite of what he's telling you to do, <laughs> the Bible is saying you really don't know him. You really don't know him. It's questionable. That person is a liar and is not living in the truth. But those who obey God's word truly show how completely they love him. In other words, one of the signs that you love God is that you're going to start to do what he says. You, even when it gets hard, you're going to start to do what he says. But those who obey God's word truly show how completely they love him. And this is how we know we are living in him. Listen. Those who say they live in God should live their lives as Jesus did. 
Oh, I love that. He gives us an example. Verse 7, dear friends, I am not writing a new commandment for you. Rather, it is an old one. You have had from the very beginning. This old commandment to love one another is the same message you heard before. Yet it is also new. Jesus lived the truth of this commandment. Jesus lived the truth of this commandment. And you also are living it. For the darkness is disappearing and the true light is already shining. If anyone claims I am living in the light but hates a fellow believer, that person is still living in darkness. And anyone who loves a fellow believer is living in the light and does not cause others to stumble. But anyone who hates a fellow believer is still living and walking in darkness. Such a person does not know the way to go, having been blinded by the darkness. Verse 6 again, those who say they live in God should live their lives as Jesus did. And Jesus lived the truth of this commandment, that we are supposed to be walking in love. Walking in love. And then the Bible gives us the definition of love. It's patient, it's kind, it's not rude. You know, it's not long. It's long-suffering. It doesn't keep records of wrongs, all right? And that's how Jesus walked out his life. Jesus was a beautiful person. He just loved loved people. He loved people. The only people that had problems with him were religious nuts of his day. But everyday average people loved Jesus because he was a loving person. And so my question to you is, are you walking that way? Are you forgiving? Are you being generous? Are you letting go of uh, grudges and, and things that have been done against you? Some of us need to give up our nasty attitudes. That's what God is asking you to, to sacrifice, to be a true reflection of who Christ is or the Christ in you is. Amen? And so first, it's our resources that he's uh, looking to see uh, us um, put on that altar. It's our routine. It should be something that's happening on a day-to-day basis. And then let me give you the last one. It's in our relationships. Again, in our relationships. We touched on this a little already, but all of our relationships, every single one of them, husband, wife, mom, dad, uh, son, daughter, granddaughter, all of our relationships should be secondary to our love for Christ. Listen, I didn't say it. Jesus said it. Matthew chapter 10, verse 37. If you love your father or your mother more than you love me, you are not worthy of being being mine. Or if you love your son or daughter more than me, you are not worthy of being mine. Why does Jesus say that? At one point in the scripture, he says, I've not come to bring peace. I've come to bring a sword, a sword that will divide even households. If, if your mama's opinion or your daddy's opinion is, 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 is you hold in higher esteem than that of God, then he says, then that's a potential idol in your, in your life. There are people who are not following Christ because of what your family members might say. You're in the closet. There are people all in the Middle East, same thing. Some, I, I, I know there are people who are, who are watching all over the world this broadcast. 
God is calling you to make him a priority in your life and to not allow the opinions of men, even the opinions of your own family members, to be held in higher esteem than your love for him because none of your family members will die for you and pay the penalty for your sins so that you, so that you and I might forever be with God in heaven, in paradise. Again, anything you put above him sends a message to him. And if you're going to get to know him as Jehovah Jireh, the Lord your provider, you're going to deal honestly in all three of these areas, your resources and your routine and your relationships. And by far the most important relationship that any of us can have is that relationship that we have uh, with our Heavenly Father through his son, Jesus Christ. Genesis 22, 13 says, And Abraham lifted up his eyes, and he looked, and behold, behind him a ram caught in the thicket by the horns. And Abraham went and took the ram, and he offered him up for the burnt offering, watch this, instead of his son. And Abraham called the name of that place Jehovah Jireh, as it is said to this day in the mount of the Lord it shall be seen. When the prophet, uh, uh, when his son asked him, uh, Dad, uh, where's the lamb? Abraham's response was, God will provide the lamb. Folks, listen, if that's not a picture of Christ and the relationship that God offers to every single one of us through the sacrifice of his son, I don't know what is. The same way that ram was in the bush as a substitute, the same way, I mean, I'm seeing the pictures. This is God told him to, to offer his son. And three days later, he ended up at that mount, and, and God uh, offered that ram as a substitute um, for the sacrifice of his son. That's exactly what God did for every single one of us through his son, Jesus Christ. First Peter chapter 3, verse 18 says, Christ suffered for our sins. Once and for all, he never sinned, but he died for sinners to bring you, listen, safely home to God. To God be the glory. He suffered physical death, but he was raised to life in the spirit. Friends, (laughs) Jehovah Jireh, our provider, is seen mostly in the friendship that God has provided through his son. That's the greatest gift that he could give to anybody was the sacrifice of his son. Most of us know this, know that scripture. Uh, we see it at, uh, at sporting events, not so much <laughs> lately since uh, this whole coronavirus thing, but we've seen it. That banner that goes down, T- Tim Tebow wore it on his, I think his eyelids, John 3, 16. Say it with me. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. And like I like to tell my own church, when you read that, personalize it. Put your name in there. Because that is the provision of Jehovah Jireh. For God so loved Pastor Rick, say your name, that he gave his one and only son, Jesus, that if I believe in him, I will not perish, but have 
eternal life. There's only one place that life is found, that life is in His Son. And God offers that life to everyone who would come. If that's you today, as I always say, it's my privilege and my honor to lead you in a prayer of commitment to Him. Let's bow our heads, close our eyes. And if that's you, say something like this. Say, Heavenly Father, I come before you today. And I thank you. I thank you that you are Jehovah Jireh, my provider. And ultimately, you showed your provision for me through the sacrificing of the lamb. You said, you said God will provide the lamb. And Jesus was that lamb that was provided on the cross 2,000 years ago for my sins. I confess them right now. I ask you to forgive me. Right now, I believe it. And I receive it by faith. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Listen, if you prayed that prayer with me, we want to rejoice with you. The Bible says whenever a sinner comes home, all of heaven is throwing a party. Let somebody know. You can even let us know. Uh, Put it in the comments. Uh, Call our website. But let us know that you prayed with Pastor Rick just then. But also, we're going to be playing a song, Oh, Come to the Altar. So this isn't over. There are many of you that God has convicted you through this message of potential idols in your life. And right where you are, as this song is being played, I want you to bring that idol to the Lord and say, Father, I am laying this thing down. Whatever it is, if, it, if, it's, uh, um, if it's pornography, if it's drugs, if it's uh, a relationship that you know that God has told you that you're not supposed to be part of, lay it all down. Do not hold it. If you want to see God's provision show up in your life, turn those things over to him. We love you, and we'll see you next week. God bless. Thank you so very much for listening to this message. We hope you were truly blessed. If you were, please subscribe to our podcast if you haven't already and share it with a friend. Doing so will cause the seeds of God's word and the message of his love to spread like wildfire. So thanks again for partnering with us in this important way. Stay thirsty for Christ, my friends, until the whole world hears. God bless.